Amen and amen. If you have a copy of God's Word, I would invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 16 is where we will make a home in this classic resurrection text. Uh, as you're turning there, I do want to invite you to join us next Sunday. Maybe you're a guest today and it's been a while since you've been to church, or maybe you're here today and it's the first time in like a long, long time that you have come to church, or maybe the first time ever that you've kind of taken a step of faith and said, I'm going to go see what this whole church thing is all about. And, and you might even have questions about your faith and about what it looks like to follow Jesus. Well, this new series we're starting next week is called Faith Forward, and it's really all about what it means for us to actually live our faith, what it means to put our faith in action. And we're going to be studying the book of James together. And if you're a skeptic in the room today, I want to tell you, you are in good company because James, the writer of the book of James we're going to study, was also a skeptic. In fact, he was the brother of Jesus. And when I say brother, he was actually the half-brother, right? Different dads. Uh, so, okay, some of you get that later. But So uh, he, he's a brother of Jesus. And what we find in the Gospels is that James actually didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. In fact, he thought Jesus was just the weird older brother. Anybody got one of those? Don't look at them if they're sitting by you, right? But he just thought this is the eccentric older brother. Uh, and, and something happened, though, that changed everything for James. He went from a doubter and a skeptic and kind of weird relationship with his brother Jesus to all of a sudden being one of the leaders of the church and one of the biggest proponents and advocates for Christ in the early church. Why is that, friends? It's because his brother died and rose again. Like, like listen... His crazy older brother, he's like, this dude. And he, I, we knew it was going to get him killed. Next thing you know, Jesus is alive. And James goes from skeptic to writing an incredible book that we're going to study together. So I just want to encourage you to come hang out. We're going to start that series next week. And I'm really, really excited about it today. But my prayer for you is that what changed James's life would change your life today as we talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've spent the last several weeks talking about the God of blank, and we've been filling in this blank with different words from the Bible. We've talked about God's justice. We've talked about his love. We've talked about encouragement and hope. We've talked about so many different things, but today, this word resurrection, as we think about the God of resurrection, changes everything. The fact that Jesus is really alive and that God raised him from the dead is the foundation for our very faith. This is a reality that should shape our lives. So as we read through this short text, we're going to pray together and ask the Lord to help us understand the truth from his word. So we're in Mark 16, the first eight verses. And we're going to read today. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. If you're trying to look on your app and identify where I'm at, that's where I'm at. But you should be able to follow along in any translation. Here's Mark 16. The word of the Lord says this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they could go and anoint Jesus. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb at sunrise. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance to the tomb for us? Looking up, they noticed that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. They were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he told them. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. 
See the place where they put him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. They went out and ran from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them, and they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid. Will you pray with me and let's ask God to speak to us through his word? Lord, we're so grateful and so thankful for your word and that you are a God who speaks to us through the word. Lord, we love you and ask that you would make your resurrection real to us so that we can live as a resurrected people. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, listen, I've labeled these seats up here, Amen Corner, all right? So I want to appreciate y'all for for coming up and sitting here. Uh, I think, I don't know if this was John's idea or one of the other guys on Thursday. They said, how are you going to get people to sit in these chairs? And one of them said, I've got an idea, Pastor. What if you tell people if you sit in these seats, you don't have to tithe? (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. Uh, That's not a rule yet, though. So uh, all all right, yeah, all y'all sitting up here. So check, check it out. Next week, they're packed. <laughs> it's like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Uh, so, so thankful for uh, new seats and new folks hanging out with us today. And I pray that the Lord will just speak to all of us as we gather around his word now. If you're interested in doing a deeper study of the Gospels, Mark is a great place to start because Mark's Gospel is very brief, actually. And if you want to kind of do some commentary work, uh, I was very helped by Tim Keller's book, Jesus the king. Uh, It was helpful even as I put together this message. But Mark is a very concise gospel. He's kind of the type of guy who gets to the heart of the matter quickly. Now, some of you are like, Pastor, I hope you're that way too, because we've got big plans today, so hurry up and get to it. But, but if you're that person, Mark is the guy for you as he shares the truth of who Jesus was in a very clear and short way. In fact, this is the shortest recalling of the resurrection that we have in the four Gospels. But yet what I think we find, and we're going to even look at a smaller chunk of these eight verses, really in two verses, we are going to find three truths about the resurrection that I think are profound and powerful and should absolutely change our lives forever. So so we read all eight, but I want us to focus on really verses six and seven. And the first truth I want us to focus on is the reality of the resurrection. The reality of the resurrection. Verse six tells us that these women arrived at the tomb, the stone is rolled away, and when they rush in, a a young man is sitting there. We believe this to be an angel, and an angel is sitting there. And by the way, when you see an angel in scripture, it's not usually a sweet moment where everybody goes, aw, but instead, they get scared. Like if an angel busted up in this service right now, we wouldn't be like, oh, what a beautiful moment. Y'all be hitting the exits. It's just what would happen. So they're alarmed when they see the angel, and the angel immediately says, don't be alarmed. How do you know it's scary? Every time you see an angel in the Bible, their response is, don't be scared, <laughs> right? So it's just how it goes. So, so the angel says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, but he is not here. He has risen just like he said he would. Come look where he laid. He's not here. I want to just take a moment to remind us all that this actually happened. Like like this isn't just some, Easter's not a day where we celebrate Jesus' metaphorical triumph over evil through his peaceful protest on the cross. Jesus is not just showing us all a powerful example that love can truly stand in the face of hate and evil. Those things may be true, but the reality is Jesus really died 
and really came back to life. And without the reality of the resurrection, y'all, Christianity is a house of cards that comes tumbling down. If you don't believe Jesus really rose from the dead, then you must just be here because mom or grandma wanted you to come. Because you ought to just be playing golf today. It's beautiful out there. But we believe Jesus is really alive. And because Jesus is really alive, that changes everything. Certainly, we ought to wrap our lives around Jesus and his gospel if he is really alive. And brothers and sisters, he is. And I would tell you today that history and logic actually back this up. So if you're here today and you're not a believer, I'm praying that this message would send you on a quest for truth. And if you are a believer today, I'm praying that this would just energize you and awaken your heart anew to think that this really happened. The resurrection of Jesus is real and this changes everything. So I want to just give you a couple reasons why we can believe in the reality of the resurrection. First, I would just say, look around. Like there are hundreds of people in this room today. Here we are 2,000 years later, still gathering, not only with hundreds of people in this room, but literally millions of Christ followers around the globe today. And you need to understand that history was riddled with messianic figures, people who claimed to be the Messiah, who claimed to be the Son of God people who started significant revolutions and uprisings, especially around the time of Jesus Christ. Dozens are noted through history around those several decades when Christ came. What's weird to me is skeptics will use that as a point to be, see, Jesus was just one of a ton of these types of people that came up in this time. But here's what I would just ask you today. What are their names? And some of you may be like, I watched a YouTube video on this last night. <laughs> well, congratulations, you didn't know until you watched that. And there's a good chance that that person was a Yahoo. <laughs> we don't know their names. When their leaders were killed, these movements died. And here's what I just want, let's just be honest. If you've read the Gospels, if you were here Good Friday... Uh, man, William, Etta, and Tom killed it reading the scripture for us of the story of Jesus being killed. They killed it in a positive way. Jesus was killed in the wrong way, but you know what I'm saying. They did a great job reading this story. What happened when Jesus got killed? The same thing that happened with all those other revolutions. Everybody ran and hid. They were like, I'm out. It's over. He died. That's the end of this movement. Jesus' closest and boldest followers are running scared, fearful of their life. But the same group of people that denied Jesus and ran scared soon are boldly leading a movement that absolutely changed the world. This is such an insane moment in our cultural history that we literally measure years from before Christ to after his death. Well, actually, historians have said that that stands, whatever. That's just a, that's a Greek word is hooey. It's just a bunch of junk. <laughs> like, that's something new because people don't want to talk about Jesus anymore. But we literally measure time around Christ and his arrival. Jesus not only rose from the dead, but the Bible tells us he appeared to hundreds of people. And we have those testimonies written down. 
This is the second reason that I want to point to today that we can believe in the reality of the resurrection. It's eyewitness testimony. Eyewitness testimony. Some of you saw me bearing witness to ice cream on TV a couple weeks ago. I've tasted and seen. But I just want to tell you, some of you are like trying to start some ice cream wars with me. Bring that war on. I will try all of your ice creams. Like, I ain't, like, come on. I'm, I love ice cream. Let's go. But what I want to tell you is that almost every critical account, almost every historical critical method of evaluating historical eyewitness testimony, by all of these standards, the writings we have in the New Testament stand as absolutely immaculate eyewitness accounts. There's just a couple notes that I'll make to try to point to that. First, notice the names of these women, Mary, Mary, and Salome. In fact, last uh, for, on Friday, uh, Tom read those names before in Mark chapter 15. And Mark mentions them multiple times by name. And he gets real specific. These are the ladies who first encounter the empty tomb. And what you need to know is that in the time of the writings of the Gospels, women were incredibly marginalized and disregarded. There are multiple ancient writers that would 100% get canceled in 2023. This is a paraphrase of one famous Greek historian and philosopher. He said something along the lines of this. We all know that a woman's testimony should never be admitted in court or in public because we know that women are often wrong and prone to hysterics. Dash some Greek dude, not rusty. All right? <laughs> Y'all don't be uploading this to Instagram later and trying to get your boy fired, all right? But this was the common thought of the people of this time, the cultural influencers of this time. So, so why am I telling you that? Because here's the thing. If Mark and the other gospel writers had gotten together and said, hey, let's write an airtight, super, absolutely believable story that people will actually buy, there is no way in the world that they would have included these women in the story. But they weren't just trying to make something up. What were they doing, friends? Writing their eyewitness testimony. That's what they're doing. Yeah, I like that Mark gets real specific about the Marys, right? This Mary, there's that Mary, there's Salome. He's talking specifically about them because here's the reality. Many of these people and their family and their friends and close associates were still alive. And he's essentially saying, if you don't believe me, why don't you go ask them? Paul does the same thing in 1 Corinthians 15. He's like, the resurrection is real and basically says, if you don't believe it, there's like 500 people that Jesus showed up to. Go ask them. Church, guests, friends that are here, hear me when I say this. This movement that we call Christianity went from zero, from nothing, to literally taking over the global empire that was Rome in a couple hundred years years how does this happen because Jesus got up out of that grave and I know that on a day like this some of you are, are here again with family and friends and you might be thinking this dude is as crazy as I expected this to be but what I would just say to you is just from a logical standpoint the burden of proof is on you why this movement 
Why is it this narrative that's different from the others? Why is Christianity the one that's still going on today? And I would just say to you that the answer is the biblical and historical evidence that Jesus really rose. And just like the angel said, that's one of my favorite little lines. It's almost a throwaway line, but I think it's really important. The angel says, come on in and take a look. Can I just tell you, if you're a skeptic in the house today, I'm hoping that I've just said enough. You may still think I'm crazy, but I'm hoping you leave here and say, yeah, I am going to go look. I'm going to look into it because I believe if you go on a quest for truth that you will find the risen Savior. Your life will be changed forever. We have to continue this morning. For the record, we, we could go on and on and on on that, uh, but I'm going to move on because some of you have like a roast in the crock pot or something, and I hear you. I feel you. Let's continue this morning by considering not only the reality of the resurrection, but let's talk about the good news of the resurrection. This is so important. We see this in verse 7 where the angel says, Tell his disciples and Peter... He is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you. Well, why is this good news? Well, we need to consider what's happened in the past three days in the lives of these disciples. As we said a moment ago, they had all run away. Everybody scattered. And I love that the angel specifically says, Peter. Why is that? Well, was Peter more special than the rest of them? No. Peter had responded in a way that was worse than the rest of them. His failure had been so great. Three times he denies Christ. And it's not just the guys. We often, as we tell the story of the resurrection, commend the women who are going to the tomb. And yes and amen, they're the first witnesses to the resurrection, the first to proclaim the resurrection. So yeah, you go girls, that's awesome. But what were they going to do with the tomb? They had purchased these ointments and the stuff to work on the body. And you need to understand, this came at an insane cost. They probably had to pull their money together and, and clear out the savings accounts so they could buy all of this stuff. Why? Because they had so much faith that Jesus was dead that they were going to go take care of his body. Here's why this is weird to me. And you're looking at me like I'm crazy. Well, yeah, of course they thought he was dead. Jesus told them multiple times that the Son of Man will be lifted up, he will be killed, but will be raised on the third day. This was said multiple times to his closest disciples over and over again. Here's my question. Don't you think that just one of them maybe would say, wait a second, it's the third day. Maybe we ought to go just take a little peek at the tomb, just see what's up. No. They thought it was over. They scattered and they were hiding. And I love that the angel of the Lord doesn't say to them, you bunch of knuckleheads. He told you over and over and over again and you just don't believe. Ye of little faith. No, that's not what we see, is it? Say, Go tell the disciples, I'm coming. Remind them of what's happening. Tell them that I'm headed to Galilee. Tell them to meet me there so we can hang out. And this is where it's so special that he mentions Peter by name. It's powerful because had this message perhaps been shared without Peter's name, say the, the ladies rush in and say, Jesus is alive and he wants us all to meet him in Galilee. Do you think Peter might have been like, yeah, but I, I can't be a disciple anymore after what I did. I denied him three times. 
what the Lord has him say. Tell the disciples and Peter. And Peter. This is a picture of the grace of God calling him by name. And I want to tell you, friends, this is the good news of the gospel. You need to realize this morning that every one of you in here at some point have been those who God created you to worship him and enjoy him forever. You had a perfect relationship with a perfect and holy God, but at some point this thing called sin happened in your life. And the Bible says that we scatter. We run. We run from who it is God has called us and created us to be. We go our own way and we do our own thing. Sin is what happens anytime we do something outside of what the Lord wants us to do. And the Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, we are separated from the holy God who created us to worship Him and enjoy Him forever. And that separation comes ultimately with death. We deserve not only physical death but far worse the spiritual death of being separated from God for all eternity in hell but this is why the gospel is good news even though we are a scattered people who have run and gone our own way the Bible says God loved us enough that he sent Jesus and what we celebrate this weekend is that when Jesus died on the cross it wasn't just a physically excruciating death, which it was. By the way, we get the word excruciating from the word crucify. It's part of that word. We can't even imagine the physical anguish that Christ endured on the cross. But what was far worse than the physical anguish was the spiritual anguish as God poured out his righteous wrath upon Christ. You say, well, why in the world did God do that? Because you and I and all human beings are guilty of sin and because we are all sinners we all deserve the wrath of God because a good righteous and holy God cannot tolerate and accept rebellion to him he wouldn't be a good God if he was okay with our sin but he loved us enough that as Jesus hung on the cross the Bible tells us that God poured out his wrath upon Christ Christ took your sin and my sin, all of humanity's sin, past, present, and future. And as he hung on the cross, the Bible tells us in Romans 3 that Jesus paid it all. The wrath of God was satisfied through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And he died on that cross, taking sin and death with him to the grave. But we're celebrating today because the resurrection is Jesus' sign, sealed, and delivered moment to say, not only have I paid for your sin, but my new life can be your new life today. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, today could be the day that changes your life forever. Today you can know this Jesus. If you recognize that that's me, I'm the one who's scattered, I am the one who is a sinner, and, and I am separated from God, I've felt this disconnect, and I've just not really been able to put it together, and I've tried, I've tried to be a good person, I've tried to go to church, I've tried to say the right things and do the right things, yet I don't really feel like I have this connection with God, it's because of your sin, but the Lord today is calling to you to repent and believe. Repent simply means to turn, literally to, I'm walking my way, I've scattered, I'm going my direction, walking into my sin. To repent is to turn, to leave your old life behind and to walk with Jesus, to trust in him, place your faith in him as your savior who saves you and forgives your sin, but also the Lord who you follow and live for for the rest of your life. 
This salvation can be yours today. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Brothers and sisters, you can know this Jesus today. I think Easter Sunday would be an awesome day to give your life to Christ. Glenn Park borrowed our baptistry today, but I'll find a river or something. We'll dunk you today. Just go over to Glenn Park after service. Pete, you got room for one more? Let's go, right? Today is the day of salvation. If you don't know Christ, at the end of our service, I'm going to just lead a simple prayer. So just kind of help you articulate what it is for you to cry out to Jesus and ask him to be your savior. And if you don't know him, let today be the day that you ask Jesus to be your savior and Lord. This is the good news of the gospel. I'm praying that the today the Lord would just bring the reality of the resurrection to bear on your life so that you could know and receive the good news but I want to point out to one just one more truth here that I think is so powerful and important that we need to hear today and that's the mission of the resurrection the mission of the resurrection there's just two words that I want to look at in verse 7 delivered first to these women but I believe really extend to all of us who are witnesses of the resurrected Savior you ready here they are go tell go tell this news that we have received this good news this gospel is meant to be shared there are people all around us church who do not know Jesus they're not aware of the reality of the resurrection and we've been lulled into a place where we don't want to talk about it but I want to tell you, friends, you and I would not be here today had somebody not took the mission of Jesus seriously. Many of you could just think of that person right now. Who is it that reached out and invited you to know Christ or invited you to church or shared the gospel with you? Maybe it was mom or dad. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. Maybe it was a neighbor. But somebody cared enough to share the good news of Jesus with you. If it wasn't for the boldness and courage of the small group of believers who took the mission of God seriously, we wouldn't be here as a church. But there's something cool that I want you to see in this text, because some of you are sharp enough that you're reading ahead and saying, well, wait a second, Pastor, they didn't do it. I said we were only looking at two verses. Let's look at verse 8 real quick. We've got three or four more points. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Settle down. Here's what verse 8 says. They went out and ran from the tomb because trembling and astonishment overwhelmed them and they said nothing to anyone since they were afraid some of y'all are like same girls same I ain't, I'm not saying anything to anybody I'm terrified of sharing my faith and talking about Jesus but what you need to know is these ladies didn't stay silent we see in the other gospel accounts that they go and tell the disciples but even then what you need to know is that the disciples didn't immediately launch into a mission of telling the whole world. You know, if you're here at Crossroad regularly, I am a big fan of the Great Commission. Why? Because it's not really the Great Commission. It's just the commission that Jesus has given every single one of his disciples. Like, discipleship isn't some, like, extra thing that some super Christians do. This is Christianity, making disciples who make disciples. So Jesus says, go into whole world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Go and make disciples. Everyone's high-fiving. They're like, yeah! And then what do they do? They go to Jerusalem and wait in a room. Why do they do that? Probably they were scared, but actually in Acts chapter 1-8, Jesus told them. 
Isn't that sound contradictory? Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. Go everywhere. Be a pioneer. Go and take the gospel places it's never been before. Now y'all go to Jerusalem and get in the upper room and hang out. What were they waiting for, friends? The Holy Spirit of God. Brothers and sisters, good news. When you are saved, when you cry out and ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, at that very moment, you are filled with the indwelling Holy Spirit as a seal of your salvation. And what I want to tell you is today, you don't have to wait. You don't have to run scared. You don't have to go sit in the upper room and wait for Jesus to tell you to start sharing the good news. You have been enlisted and equipped by the Holy Spirit of God to share the good news of Jesus with people. You've got everything you need right here and right now because you have the Holy Spirit of God. And I know our culture has made it weird. We just think, well, is this going to be awkward and strange? I don't want people to think I'm weird, but can I tell you, friends, people will think it's weird and strange on Judgment Day when they stand before Almighty God and say, why didn't my neighbors, why didn't my family members, why didn't my friends, why didn't my coworkers have the boldness and the courage to tell me that there was good news? Oh, friends. Jesus is really alive, and because he is really alive, our lives should look different. Our mission should look different. Maybe you've been like these ladies, silent and afraid. Or perhaps today, you're Peter. You're like, dude, I've blown it so bad, there's no way I'm telling people about Jesus. And my coworkers know me. My family has seen my life. I, I'm the last one that should be talking about Jesus. Remember, the reality of the resurrection is that the good news of Jesus has saved sinners like us and called us, imperfect as we may be, to be on mission for him. And here we are 2,000 years later because Jesus is really alive and he really uses broken ordinary, random, absolutely messed up people like Peter, like Mary, like Mary, like Salome, like Rusty, and like you. This is the God of resurrection and how he works. So let's be a resurrected people. Stop living like dead people. Has Jesus made you alive? Let's live like it. Let's live in the reality of the resurrection. Oh, church, a resurrected church stands ready to bring revival to our city. And I think people, you know, all there's been a lot of talk of revival in our culture lately. And we want revival to be like a three-hour worship service of prayer and music. And yes, praise the Lord, those things are good and can happen. But can I tell you when real revival comes is when you leave here and go tell people about Jesus. It didn't say, and after they saw the resurrected Savior, they went and had a church service that lasted 45 days of constant music. They sang, Jesus loves me, 7,552 times. Oh, thank you, Lord, what a movement. No, the movement happened when they started going out into the streets to the gates of the city, to their culture, and saying, there is good news, and I've got to share it with you. Friends, the reality of the resurrection should change us 
as we receive the good news of the resurrection and you are enlisted and equipped to fulfill the mission of the resurrection. He is risen today. Let's tell somebody and let's live like it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? Our worship team is going to come up and they're just going to lead us in a simple song of response that we can worship to and think about what we believe about our Lord. But if you were in this room today and you would just say, man, man I'm Rusty, you talk about this gospel. I don't know Jesus yet, but, but I just feel his presence and I'm ready to repent and believe. That, then I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. And I, I want to be very careful about what I say here. There is no magic prayer, no magic words that you say in the right order that save you, but instead, and you have a heart that is crying out to the Lord and asking him to be your Lord and Savior. That is what saves you, calling out to him, and he answers that prayer every time. But if you just need some words to help you articulate that prayer, you could just pray something to the Lord like this if you want to give your life to him. Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I know that my sin has separated me from you. But I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You died in my place to pay the price for my sins. God, I believe you rose from the dead. And I confess that you are Savior and you are Lord. And I ask you to forgive me and to give me new life today. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Friends, if you just cried out to the Lord and asked him to save you today, I want you to know that that is a prayer he has answered. Before you leave today, I would love for you to grab one of those response cards in front of you and just write on there that you have given your life to Christ so that our staff can follow up with you and help you make some next steps in your faith so that you can live faith forward. But brothers and sisters in this room, I know many of you say, well, it's Easter, I'm here because I'm a believer, but, but have you been living a resurrected life? If you just know today that you're in this place and you've just been going through the motions, you've been living as if this is just a religious deal when you want to have the zeal that comes with knowing the risen Savior, I want to just say a quick prayer over you. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are in this room who today have had the word just wash over them the reality of the resurrection, the good news of the resurrection. I pray you would help enlist us and show us how equipped we are to fulfill the mission of the resurrection that you've given us. Oh Lord, we thank you for your gospel. We thank you for your resurrected life. May we as your people live in response to what you've done.